When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Just got a little bit of breaking news, actually. Uh, I got the the Luke Fickle bat signal out. Um, Defensive lineman Jamel Howard has officially committed to Wisconsin. He's a defensive lineman for 2023. So I'm I'm a little bummed that Jake isn't going to be here at the beginning of the show. Um, Probably not for the Badgers part of the show, but he will be back. Um... He will be here in about 20 minutes or so. So Jake will be on the show to talk about the Bucks for sure. But I'm bummed that Jake isn't here to see this because I found this at TJ Maxx. This is super random to start the show with, by the way. But I found this at TJ Maxx. It is like a literal little mini bat signal. I need to figure out a way to turn the bat into a W so I can have like my own official Luke Fickle bat signal. Trust me. I know it's a super random way to start the show, but I'm easily amused. So here I am. All right. So, we had two Badger games in the last week. Um, Neither of them went as hoped. Um, Obviously, we would have liked to see the Badgers win both of them. They didn't win either one. Um, Jake and I had both predicted one and one weeks for the Badgers in the last week. But I just want to say before I start in the games that there is a lot of Greg Gard slander i guess is the word that i'll use um stemming from the badgers losing streak and from their their recent stretch of games losing six out of the last seven what i want to do is i guess make a statement on we need to stop comparing the basketball team to the football team and i've seen it everywhere basically any badgers groups that you have out there any wisconsin sports groups out there is that People are saying, well, we should just fire guard and bring in a Luke Fickle equivalent on basketball. And it's not that simple, first of all. Um, You know, we I've seen this said, I think it might have been Scary Alvarez, actually, who joined us on the show last fall. um, That said that there's not, you know, there's not just a Luke Fickle waiting out there. As far as basketball is concerned, people suggest um, seeing people suggest Jay Wright, which you know, is an option, but we're looking at a scenario where Paul Christ went like three, four years of not changing his system. And we're in basically year one of Greg guard dealing with a system that doesn't quite have the players to adjust to the system that they're playing in. So for me with Greg guard, basically the thing that I'm looking at, and this is something that can take him from a good coach, which I think he is to a great coach is by adapting his system to his players this season specifically 
there's another recruiting class coming in in 2023 that I have seen as high rated. I haven't dug super hard into it um, because that's next year. I'm more concerned about this year, but um, as if Greg Gard can adapt his system to his players and a little bit less of expecting his players to conform to his system. Uh, we've seen a couple times where the Badgers have gotten out into some transition roles and been able to score in transition on the fast break a little bit. That's something that the Badgers typically just haven't done in a long time. They've been a slow it down, fewer possessions, fewer mistakes, um, make it harder for the other team to try to score in bunches because they don't have as many of those possessions. So we'll start with the Maryland game. And the first half, the first half was, it was decent. Um, Connor Asijan played actually some pretty decent defense in the first half of the Mer- of the Maryland game. Um, and then um, Chucky Hepburn, Chucky Hepburn, Chucky Hepburn got a block off the backboard um, coming after a turnover, got back on defense, got a block off the backboard. So that's, that's good to see Chucky Hepburn have that short memory to turn that around and go make that play defensively. Um, Badger started two for two for the three-point line. Both teams actually were really hot to start this game off, and then they both cooled off for a while. Um, Connor Asijan, he's he's bouncing back well after not playing very well against Northwestern, which is good. Um, giving energy on defense, which is which is what it's going to take for him to improve defensively. It's going to take that consistent energy and effort to, for him to improve on defense. Uh, both teams had some pretty long droughts in the first half offensively. Um, and then the Badgers, towards the end of the first half, were intentionally falling to try to throw off Maryland's rhythm, which you could tell was was frustrating some of Maryland's guards. And it worked. Maryland missed their last shot for the half, so it did work. Um, as far as Badgers' offense goes, and I know this is something I think I've said probably two or three weeks in a row now, is that the Badgers need to keep the ball moving, regardless of where they're moving the ball. If they're putting it into the post, it can go back out or just around the perimeter, like the ball just, it needs to be moving quicker. That's that's a bottom line thing when we're talking about what the Badgers can improve on, is it's ball movement, the ball needs to move quicker. That's bottom line. Um, Stephen Crowell's hitting some jumpers, which is encouraging to see. He has struggled. I'm sure they've said it probably 32 times during the last two games during the broadcast that Stephen Crowell is struggling from the three this year, but he can make them, that he's capable of making them. Um and then Badgers, they struggled defending ball screens a lot in the second half. So Maryland using their point guards, getting screens by their bigs. Badgers just kind of struggled to figure out exactly how they were going to defend those. Connor Siegen got lost on a couple um, where he wasn't sure that the Badgers were playing switch defense or if they were sticking with their man-to-man defense. So the Badgers got caught a little bit there. Um, and it's the capability is there as well. So basically. The two ways you can defend it are to try to get over the screen, like before it's set. Um, obviously, you don't want to try to go through the screen because that's a really good way to draw a bunch of fouls. But the other way is for for the person whose defender of the guy that's setting the screen is to get up way higher and show, they call it hedging the screen, so that the ball handler has to take another dribble or two towards half court. That makes it harder for them to get an angle to the basket and harder for them to potentially see a pass on a roll man. Stephen Crowell did this well, very well, twice. And then I know Tyler Wall did it at least once too. And they both recovered back to their man who was cutting towards the paint. 
that's the kind of stuff that the Badgers are capable of, but just haven't done frequently enough for them to get over the hump in some of these close games. I didn't actually look it up. I'm going to pull it up right now just to see how many of the the Badgers games that they've lost out of their last six have ended up being single digit or games that were decided closely in the last few minutes, even if they weren't necessarily close games. So um, the Illinois game was 10. Maryland ended up being an 18-point game. Northwestern was three. They beat Penn State by three. Lost to Michigan State by four. So, I mean, these close games that the Badgers are losing, um, the Northwestern one really stands out to me because that's the one that the Badgers lost by three points and they missed seven free throws. Jake and I talked pretty at length about that last week. But um, later in this game, the Badgers had a couple of mini runs. They just couldn't sustain enough to get back into the game. Um, And then later in the half, too, the ball movement wasn't quick enough, wasn't crisp enough. They were just struggling to get open shots. So... This is something where I'm not necessarily calling for a coaching change, definitely not a coaching change yet, and not quite a full philosophy change. It's not like where last fall, you know, we're talking about what do the Badgers need to do in football to really turn the corner for the season, to try to, you know, to become bowl eligible for Paul Chris to keep his job, stuff like that. And for me, I was like full philosophy change. And when Paul Chris got fired and we started talking about coaching candidates, I'm like, you know what, let's just go full air raid with the Badgers. And now they're doing that. I'm not quite at that point with Badgers basketball yet. I do like the the focus of Wisconsin basketball being on not turning the ball over. Um, I've, if you watch this show, you've heard um, <laughs> when I talk about the Bucks, basically since we started covering them, that turnovers are a huge deal. And, I, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit today when we get to the Bucks section of this, but um, I've gotten a little bit of a different perspective on it now. But still, it's a really important thing is to not turn the ball over, taking care of the ball. That's why that's in my fundamental failures that I do with basketball games, where it's taking care of the ball, boxing out, not giving up rebounds to give your opponents a second chance points, and then um, uh, points off turnovers. So, you know, those are just the things that need to – need to be done to be fundamentally sound. So Badgers taking care of the ball, playing good defense, those are two very, very good core principles to have in basketball. I don't want the Badgers to change that. I don't want them to go away from that style of play. However, I would like to see the Badgers, A, pick up the pace, and B, pick up the ball movement. Those are two things that can potentially generate more turnovers. So there is a little bit of a happy medium you know, in the gray area of taking care of the ball, slowing the possessions down, fewer turnovers, and, you know, playing like the Charlotte Hornets, for example, who are a very fast, shoot a lot, shoot more, run out, try to get a bunch of shots basically as quick as you can, but to find somewhere in the middle to meet those things. You know, running some fast break or, you know, just just figuring out different ways to get guys open other than just the, the the base offense that the Badgers are running. So that's something that I'm looking for from the Badgers going forward, but not yet um, to the point of needing a coaching change. That's not where I'm at with the Badgers yet. Um, I just want to pull up the Maryland game specifically to look at some of the, some of the stats from this one. Um, it is good to see Connor Siegen, Tyler Wall, both bounce back from, from low field goal shooting. Um, Connor Siegen, 6 for 12. 4 for 6 from the three-point line is encouraging. Um, Tyler Wall, 6 for 13 from the field. Uh, Stephen Crowell, 4 for 7 from the field. 
you know, that's that's good things to see. I see Carter Gilmore getting a lot of a lot of hate on, especially Twitter more so than um, more so than Facebook. But um, I'm not sure where the Carter Gilmore slander comes from. The dude comes in, he plays hard, and he gives 100% effort. Um, you know, it's not not really sure what uh, what more people want from Carter Gilmore. And I think I mentioned this last week too, uh, when Jake and I were talking about. Uh, basketball in college versus basketball in the NBA. And it's people got to stop looking at the box score so much and putting so much into only scoring points. What's up, Steve? Um, So much into scoring points (coughs) that people believe that that's the only way a guy can contribute because it's not. And a lot of, a lot of times you'll find that the best teammates are guys that do things other than just scoring, whether it's playing defense, rebounding, setting screens, it's a really underrated aspect of games. Like Carter Gilmore, he goes out there and he puts out 100% effort. And we know this is something that's coming into um, coming into light a lot recently is that this Badgers team is not very deep. This is a situation where people use this as an argument for why Greg Gard should be fired because, oh, well, Greg Gard's done well in the past, but he doesn't have a very deep team. Well, Greg Gard's the recruiter. So this is kind of a situation where people that want Greg Gard out are going to find a reason to justify it no matter what. But you look at next twenty, next uh, next season, 2023, we have guys like Gus Yeldon coming in, who's baby Jokic, they call him. He's going to be part of the team next year. Greg Gard recruited him. I think Greg Gard deserves at least a chance to coach him. Obviously, if the Badgers find a way to like not win a game the entire rest of the season, obviously Greg Gard would not be retained. But I don't think that's going to be the case. So going into the Illinois game, this is the one that Jake had picked as a win. Um, this is the one that I thought the Badgers were going to lose just looking at the schedule because of the way that Illinois plays. Um, and Illinois has got a good team. Jake, Jake thought the Badgers would be able to win this one because Tyler Wall was healthy, which – I'm not going to say the batters are incapable of winning any of the games that they play in. They're a team that's capable. We saw it with Kansas. Um, the Badgers essentially should have won that game in overtime or in regulation, but um, the refs missing out of bounds call, but it is what it is. That stuff happens. The Badgers are going to be in a situation. Jake actually called this to, to the attention of the show last week was this is something that I said during football season was, the Badgers' style of play is going to make it possible for them to upset any team. But it does also leave them vulnerable to be upset by any team. And I still believe that that's the case. Um, that's where that low scoring, the ground and pound, pretty similar play styles, honestly, between the football and basketball teams. It's a little different in basketball, obviously, but, you know, it's. I can see the parallels for the people that want to complain about it. But it's not quite as radically bad as people make it out to be. So Max Klesman was back for this game, so that was good to see. Honestly, this this bothered me, was that there were so many whistles early in this game. Like, I'm a, you know, I understand when there's obvious things to call out, call them, but I'm a strong proponent of letting players play. You know, a lot of, especially when we're talking about the Big Ten, and we're talking about barn ball type stuff. And we're talking about the big boys in the Big Ten. And that's that's how the Big Ten is played. The Iowa's, Purdue's, I mean, those those are tough teams. And I'd like to see I'd like to see the like 
the referees let him play a little bit. Um, so this was interesting too, is third straight game where Kamari McGee is getting some early playing time. Now he's a transfer from UWGB and, you know, we, we had some discussions earlier in the season, why he wasn't playing that much or why he wasn't checking in very early in the games. And Greg Gard was saying it was because he wasn't quite up to speed with, um, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The raise, the raise in talent from going from UWGB to playing in Wisconsin, um, playing at Wisconsin. GB is still in Wisconsin, obviously. But we're seeing now Kamari McGee starting to get earlier and earlier playing time. Um, it's, it's pretty rough start to this game. <laughs> pretty much the opposite of the Maryland game. Where the Maryland game, both teams are off to a really hot start. This game, the teams combined for a 5-for-23 start from the field in the first eight minutes. Pretty rough start. Max Klesman was, however, a bright spot. He hit a three early in the game. He was diving on the floor, which gives me encouragement that his his jaw is okay. Um, I heard, I didn't see this anywhere, but I heard that Max Klesman actually had to get stitches from the shot that he took in the Penn State game last week. I haven't like seen that confirmed anywhere, but I did hear that. I don't know if that's any truth to that or not. I can ask Jake when he gets on, but because I'm not sure, but... I did hear that Max Klesman had to have stitches from that. Um, and then Max Klesman also drew a charge in the first half of this game. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Max Klesman is back and he's needed. Um, the Badgers have they have some guys in the team that I think will eventually contribute. They're just being forced into some roles that they might not be ready for a little too soon. And the two guys that – actually, I should say three guys that really – make me feel that way are Chris Hodges who got taken advantage of a little bit defensively. Uh, Arcus Silver, who's, who's given some quality minutes, especially when Tyler wall was out and Isaac Lindsay. I do think these guys are capable contributors to they're just, I just don't think they're quite ready for the roles that they're in right now. Um, and I do think they are capable of growing into those roles um, as they get more playing experience. It was good to see, actually, early in this game, Stephen Crowell controlling the paint defensively. Uh, he had a steal in the paint, and he was actually doing very well defensive rebounding. That's that's the next step for Stephen Crowell, for him to keep growing in those areas of controlling the game, both sides of the floor. Um, he has gotten stronger. It doesn't quite look like it, but you can tell by his play style that he's gotten stronger. Um, so it's good to see that. Um, Stephen Crowell and Carter Gilmore in the first half of this game, did some really, really good work together offensively, working in the low post, getting some low post passing to each other. Both of them got to points where they get between the block and the restricted circle and hit one of those um, kind of leaning towards the baseline bounce passes to the other one for layups. They both had one to each other, and they actually there was one possession where they each made that pass to each other, and it resulted in a layup. It's good to see that. It's good low post work between Crowell and Gilmore. Now, when I mentioned before talking about Greg Gard's philosophy and not needing a you know a complete overhaul in the system, one thing that I would like to see, and this is something we've seen in Milwaukee this year, is like I know the Badgers prioritize defense and that necessitates doing this, but I'd like to see the Badgers send some players for offensive rebounds. Um, the Badgers had a lot of one and done in the first half. And basically every time they shoot, 
It's four guys back on defense. The Bucks basically went to a system this year where basically three guys went for the offensive rebound in every possession. And it has led to an uptick in offensive rebounds and second chance points for the Bucks. So that's something I could see the Badgers potentially doing um, to potentially help them raise their scoring potentially at the detriment of their defense. But it's hustle. You go for the offensive rebound, you either get it, and you give your team another chance to score, or you don't, and then you hustle your butt back on the defense. I don't think that's something that Greg Gard would have trouble teaching to his players, but it's just something where it's like a slight tick in the philosophy, and that's something I think the Badgers could help um, could help them improve. Because this this game was, was the lowest scoring first half, actually the lowest scoring half period in the Big Ten this season. Um, Tyler Wall was out most of the first half. Stephen Crowell was out for a big chunk of the second half. Both of them had two fouls, um, which was part of what forced Chris Hodges into some early playing time. And in the first half, Max Klesmet, eight points, six rebounds. Definitely good to have him back. Second half, a little bit of a rough start. Three turnovers in the first four possessions. This is the thing that the Badgers cannot have happen. The Badgers, we already talked about how they've, they're in low-scoring scenarios. Giving away possessions and not even getting a chance to take a shot, whether it's a good shot or a bad shot, getting no shot, that cannot happen for the Badgers. That's, that's one of their baseline things is the Badgers cannot turn the ball over, and they, that's part of their philosophy. So four possessions and having three turnovers in the first uh, the first couple minutes of the second half um, definitely put them behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, James, I am by myself just for a little bit, probably going to be doing just the Badgers portion by myself, and then Jake will be on shortly, I would expect, actually, any minute now. So um, Jake will be here soon. Um, Tyler Wall scored the first seven points for the Badgers in the second half. Chucky Hepburn started heating up. Illinois cooled off a little bit. They went nearly five minutes in the second half without a field goal. Uh, Wisconsin hit four straight three-pointers in the second half, went on a 15-2 run to take a 35-34 league, um, and did most of that without Tyler Wall in the game. Uh, Wisconsin was down nine points when Tyler Wall got his fourth foul. And then Stephen Crowell got his fourth foul with nine minutes and 49 seconds left in the second half. And this is where Connor Asijin got caught up in some defensive miscommunication. Um, and the Badgers slowed down offensively. Illinois picked up offensively. Illinois went on a 19-2 run since the game was tied at 37 points. And it was never close after that. Um, and then this is, this is tough to another situation later in the first half. Badgers step on the sideline twice. And that's two more turnovers two more possessions with no shots. So it's a, it's a situation where it feels like these things are correctable, but just haven't come together yet. So I think it's a situation, like I said, where I believe that the batters are capable of beating any team they play against. It just needs to basically be done. Um, they can do it. They just need to do it is where I'm at with the batters. So, uh, Chucky Hepburn led the Badgers in scoring. He was six for 14 from the field, 15 points, three for five from the three point line is encouraging to see for him. 
Uh, Max Klesman finished with 12 points, eight rebounds. Um, actually, both Chucky and Max both has two steals apiece. Carter Gilmore, five more points off the bench. Connor Siegen really struggled from the field in this game after his 19 points against Maryland. Only three points against Illinois, and all of them came from the free throw line. So it's not a coincidence that the Badgers struggled offensively, as did Connor Asijan. It's He's already gotten inserted into the starting lineup. They're running some plays for him. They're running plays out of inbounds. Connor Asijan is kind of becoming... I'd say he's already the fourth option, but I think he's going to be passing up potentially Stephen Crowell and maybe even Tyler Wall uh, as offensive options. This is something I'd like to get Jake's opinion on if he gets in here um, soon. But seeing what Jake thinks about potentially where the Badgers are for their offensive options, um, whether it be Chucky Hepburn, who I still think is the number one option, Tyler Wall, who's probably number two, and then Stephen Crowell, and Connor Asijan. I don't know. It might be a scenario where I need to watch Connor Asijan more to really determine how good of a ball handler he is. But it'd be interesting to see Connor Asijan and Tyler Wall get into some pick and roll action. I know the Badgers don't run a ton of pick and roll. They run a lot more dribble handoff. But I think it would be an interesting thing to try out. You know, if we're talking, you know, little little changes the Badgers can make here and there to potentially help the team. Like I said, the offensive rebounding thing is really a big one of them. Uh, picking up the pace is another one that I think is an opportunity. Um, maybe running a little pick and roll um, with Connor Asijan and, and Tyler Wall or Stephen Crowell. Stephen Crowell, a guy who could potentially pick and pop and shoot a three or two here and there is also interesting. Um, I'll definitely have to ask Jake about that when he hops on. But the rough thing with this game is, and it's something I already mentioned, is the depth for the Badgers. So looking at bench points, Carter Gilmore scored all five of the Badgers' bench points. Um, Jordan Davis and Marcus Silver were both over four from the field, both over two from the three-point line. It's just something that needs to be better. I mean, we talked about Jordan Davis last week at a 15-point game, his career high. He was hitting threes, getting layups. Now I'm getting to a point where I'm starting to feel like it's like last year's, like the 2022 Packers season, where it's like we have this guy's capable of this, this guy's capable of this, the team is capable of this, but it just hasn't all been put together yet. That's now that I'm talking about it and kind of hearing myself talk it out loud, that, that that's the feel that I'm starting to get, is that the capability is there, it's just the the complete performance hasn't been put on the court yet. And I think it, I think it can be. So <clears throat> the Badgers will have two opportunities between tonight and next Wednesday. And the two opportunities are at Ohio State <clears throat> tomorrow night, which will be – that'll be a, a good game, I think. And then Sunday they have a rematch against Northwestern. I'm torn on how I feel about the Ohio State game. Um, Ohio State – I'm going to look at their record quick. Uh, Ohio State is 11 and 10. Ohio State's last in the Big Ten. That's that's rough. Um, I really don't know how I feel about Ohio State. I'm really torn on that one. This is normally where I ask Jake first what I think his record prediction would be. I 
I'm going to go one and one. I'm going to say the Badgers beat Northwestern and lose to Ohio State tomorrow. Um, I just I need to see some of these things change before I get full back into um, predicting a lot of wins for the Badgers. Now, I will point out that during the Badgers primer, not that I'm excited about being correct about this, but um, if I go back and look at the Badgers primer that we did, I said the Badgers were going to go into a situation where um, they get off to a good start. They get ranked. I think the Badgers got as high as 15, I want to say, after having a good November and December. And then I said January and February are two tough months. January, I predicted the Badgers to go four and four as the same for February. Um, and the Badgers did win some of the games in January that I thought they might lose, but I just want to pull up a schedule for January. One, two. Yeah, Badgers ended up going two and six in the month of January. Definitely not where I thought they'd be, um, potentially even a little bit worse, but I did think the Badgers were going to go through a rough stretch in January playing some really good teams. Um, the Badgers are they're kind of teetering right now. Whether or not they're going to be able to make the March Madness tournament, um, right now I've seen a lot of places that are having them as one of the last four in. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, maybe going in as a lower seed will take off some of the expectations. This is something I said with the Packers too. If the Packers get in as a seven seed and they have to play the two seed, you know, it's a scenario where there's less expectations. So there's less tension and that's essentially something that Badgers can use to their advantage and, you know, maybe not have to play tense about worrying about being upset by a Colgate or an Iowa state where they can go and upset a higher seeded team because the higher seeded team is worrying about, Oh, what if we lose to Wisconsin? That went two and six in January. So that's something that I can see with the Badgers there. Um, It's just, it's gotta be done collectively. So I'm going to say one and one in the next week. Um, hopefully Jake is on here soon. I don't get too deep into the Bucks before um, I get the chance to ask him about some of the Badgers things that I have that I'm thinking about. But switching to the Bucks, <coughs> and a lot of good stuff with the Bucks this week. This is, I think I said seven. I think I said I think the Bucks can go on a seven-game winning streak. They're on a five-game winning streak now, with the big three intact. It's good to see Chris Middleton back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk specifically about Chris Middleton in each of these games because he did make my power pair. Uh, he didn't didn't have you know blow the doors off numbers. He averaged 13 and a half points, three rebounds, three and a half assists, 1.3 steals. Over the four games against the Pelicans, the Hornets, the Pacers, and the Nuggets. Um, But he did all that in about 17 minutes a game. So very efficient scoring from Chris Middleton. 45% from the field, 33% from the three-point line. Numbers that I expect to get a little bit higher as he gets closer to his midseason form. Similar to the rise that Pat Connaughton has had since he was uh, returning from his injury in November. Um, Before last night where he was one for six in the three-point line. Previously, he had made 25 of his last 49 threes. It's over 50% for Pat Connaughton. So people jumping back off of his bandwagon after one poor shooting game. It's a little unfair given the way that he's performed over the last several games and being in the starting lineup. Um, 
it's really good to see him getting better, getting more efficient. Um, two really, really efficient games in the last week. Um, last night he had 18 points in 20 minutes. And against the Pacers, he had 17 points in 15 minutes. So really good to see that for Chris Middleton. The other one in my power pair, it's no secret, it's Giannis. Um, he's named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Averaged 39 and a half points in the four games the Bucks played in the last week. Also 14.3 rebounds, four and a half assists. Uh, he's 59 of 94 from the field. That's 62.8% for Giannis in the last four games. Dude's an absolute monster. He should be back in the MVP running. And the Bucs are playing very well with him and Chris Middleton back in the fold. For underrated performer, I went with Wesley Matthews. He was, um, we started posting the leading scorers and underrated performer for every game. Uh, Wesley Matthews, actually two games in a row now, was our underrated performer from the games. Um, he's averaged 6.3 rebounds, sorry, 6.3 points, five and a half rebounds in the last four games, 46.7% from the three-point line in those four games. So very, very encouraging to see that from Wesley Matthews, a guy who went some pretty long stretches without playing without playing very many minutes. Now back in a position where he is playing more minutes and he's making, he's making the most of them. So what I want to give credit to Wesley Matthews for is some very timely rebounding. Wesley Matthews is a guy who knows his role, and right now the role that the Bucs need filled is they need rebounder and a little bit of scoring. That's what Bobby Portis brings to the team. Bobby Portis brings about 14 points, 10 rebounds to every game, and Wesley Matthews bringing six points and five rebounds in addition to, to Pat Connaughton bringing more to the team. Um, Javon Carter bringing some points to the team as well. Chris Middleton being back in the fold helps. Joe Ingles getting some more minutes. You know, it's it's really been an encouraging team effort for the Bucs to improve on rebounding and pick up the slack with Bobby Portis hurt. Um, <coughs> going all the way back to last Wednesday, starting with the Bucs and the Nuggets game, um, <clears throat> Um, James asked about Giannis being hurt um, last night. Giannis at the end of the game went to try to block, um, try to block a layup attempt, and he kind of slipped into um, like the big stanchion that holds the hoop. Um, he's kind of limping around after that play, uh, limping around, grabbing his leg after the game. Um, Mike Budenholzer was asked about it after the game, and he said everybody's okay. Um, when I get into what's next, I do think. Um, Giannis will probably sit tomorrow out. He's been listed as probable with knee soreness for the last three games. Um, so I do think we're in a scenario where he possibly sits out tomorrow night. And maybe we're in a scenario where Chris Middleton starts in his place. I think that's kind of where the trend is going. So I do think that that's a possibility for tomorrow. Um, going back to last Wednesday, I do want to bring up it's a super popular topic of conversation, but Marjan Bochamp. Um, still seeing a lot of people, and I, I did a six-minute rant on this last week, uh, complaining that Budenholzer doesn't want to play him, doesn't want to develop him, only plays rookies when he's forced. Um, Marjan Bochamp has been dealing with some knee tendonitis. Uh, he's been listed on the injury report a couple times. He has played a couple games with the Wisconsin Herd. So 
you know, he's not going to get mixed in the day after playing in the Wisconsin herd and then going to being on the Bucks bench. It's just not really one of those things that's going to happen. Um, I do still think that there's things that they want Marjan Bochamp to improve before they start ramping up his minutes in Milwaukee again. And the return of Chris Middleton and the improved play at Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen, it's going to make minutes a little bit harder to come by for him. Doesn't mean he's not going to develop. It doesn't mean that Budenholzer is going to ruin his career. Just means that the Bucs are in a position where they can be patient with their rookie, let him play some games in the minor leagues, and get more reps, more consistent minutes than just playing the last couple minutes in some garbage time wins. So starting with the Bucks and the Nuggets game, Drew Holiday. Drew, Drew Holiday. That dude, that dude does like everything. <laughs> and going through the games, I'll get to a lot of things that Drew Holiday has done for the Bucks. But five quick points in the Bucks game against the Nuggets. Guarding Aaron Gordon. Drew Holiday guarded Aaron Gordon. The Bucks are intentionally, and this is Budenholz, are using Drew Holiday to guard power forwards regularly. We saw against the Knicks, he saw him guarding Julius Randle. We saw him guarding now Aaron Gordon. Um, he's guarded Kevin Durant regularly. It's really, really interesting seeing the way that the Bucks are using Drew Holiday defensively. Um and then we switch to switch to games like tomorrow night, or sorry, last night, where he's guarding Lamelo Ball and Terry Rozier. Um, Cavaliers are another example. Drew Holiday guarded Evan Mobley for a while in that game. Um, Drew Holiday he does a lot for this team, um, so I want to give him some credit really quick before I get super in depth into the Bucks. I'm gonna ask him. Oh, look at who he's got. He's got a guest appearance. I didn't know we had a guest on today. Say hello. Yeah. <laughs> hat? Hat? Oh, you want no oh, she wants Nux. <laughs> Through the oh, you want fist bump? Yeah, fist bump. Yeah. Good job, babe. She's trying. <laughs> Here. There you go. Good job. Get it, Winter. Go bye, Mama. We gotta go upstairs. Go bye, Mama. Go upstairs. Come on. Um, you you caught me like just about to start talking Bucks and Nuggets. I got like two points in on Bucks and Nuggets. I'll be right there. A little bit of craziness in Jake's house right now. All right. I'll I'll keep you muted for a minute. I'll give you a minute. Okay. Um, I'm going to go back to the Badgers with Jake just because I want to ask him a couple of those questions. Um, Jake, the, basically the, the three questions that I want to ask you is, one, okay. give me a record prediction for next week. Um, <laughs> Justin said I'd rather stare at her and Tyler for another hour. <laughs> and he said, please keep him muted. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather stare at Tyler and my daughter, too. My daughter's beautiful. What does that make Well, me? let's Am see. I beautiful? Oh, you're beautiful, too, obviously. Sweet. So um, the record for next week. I want to ask week... you basically three questions. Yeah, three okay, questions. Okay. First one being the record prediction against Ohio State Northwestern. Man, the Badgers right now just lack – I don't I don't want to say energy. They just lack a guy that can just take over, you know, like offensively when – you know, because classic Wisconsin, we run what we run. We've talked about this before. But when they get into situations where they need a score, 
they need a guy that could take over. Last year that was Johnny Davis, and it made us a phenomenal team because we still play defense. We still rebound. We just didn't have the three-point shoot. I believe Johnny Davis with this three-point shooting would be a dangerous combo, in my opinion. True. So I'll say uh, I'll say one-on-one. Probably going to lose Ohio State on the road. Our offense struggles on the road. Our offense struggles overall. Uh, um, and then Northwestern is just – we lost to them last time, but I feel like they'll they'll right the ship. They'll get a big win. But uh, it's, it's, it's not a sinking ship at this moment. You know, I said right the ship, so I wanted to point out that it's not a sinking ship, I don't think. I still think that there's plenty of time to – to get things going in the right direction, but mm-hmm. um, it is becoming uh, urgency has to be raised in my opinion at this point. I like, I've used this now several times. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, who does our, our Friday night Packers shows, he said during one of our Packers shows, he said, urgency, not panic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's seriously, that's really becoming one of my favorite things that's been said on our show is urgency, not panic. I really, really like that from Brian. Um, uh, Bill said the Badgers aren't lacking focus, but they seem to lack confidence when they need a score. Yeah, I can see, I I see that. Um, I agree with that. So I named, I think, three things. Um, sending guys for offensive rebounds, uh, potentially mm-hmm. picking up pace, mm-hmm. and um, using Connor Asijan as the ball handler in potentially pick and rolls with Tyler Wall or Stephen Crow. Those were three okay. things that I kind of used as potential tweaks, but mm-hmm. not a full overhaul in the system with the Badgers. Is there anything specifically you would throw out um, that the Badgers could improve uh, without going, you know, full overhaul, changing the system completely, or firing Greg Gard? Well, I'm just going to play off of yours. First of all, the attacking the offensive rebound, we've seen that work for the Bucks this year. That's something That's that the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, the, well, I wasn't even here, so you know, know we didn't script this. Yeah, there it um, is. That's definitely something that's worked for the Bucks, being a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end, a couple of extra possessions. I mean, geez, you saw it last night. I mean, Wesley Matthews was all over the place. He got three by himself probably. I didn't even look at the stats, but um, – He was my underrated performer. He's a beast, bro. Um, he played really, really well yesterday, you know, overall this week. Um, I'll, I got a little weird stat about him. If you don't say it, but I'll let you say what you got to say. But also on top of that, the picking up the pace, that's something that, you know, Badgers Nation has talked about for years, literally years. And I think that's something, you know, you bring these kids in that play AAU ball. These are the kind of people that you recruit, right? And you, you're you trying to get better athletes on the floor. You pick up the pace, you're going to get better athletes because these kids are going to see like, oh, okay, they're playing this style. Uh, that fits my game a little bit better. You know, you got to make it a little bit more personal. So I think a season could could benefit off that, playing a little bit higher pace, more shot attempts. Um, I think Chucky could benefit off that. I don't know who else. Um, I don't. Big Steve, he could kind of fit in any offense, really. He's a little bit old school, a little bit new school. But um, overall, I think picking up the pace is definitely the way to go. If I didn't hear you say that before, I would have said it myself. Uh, so – that's that's probably the one thing that I would change is just picking up the pace. You're all, you, you can sure. always tell kids we need to play defense, right? You can always mm-hmm. instill that into their mind. That doesn't go away, but allowing kids a little bit more freedom on the offensive end, I think, is the way to go. Like I mm-hmm. said, you get all these kids from AAU, so they they're mm-hmm. coached up to play a fast pace, anyways. Right. So that kind of transitions well into basically the last thing that I wanted to ask you was. 
Where do you see Connor Asijin slotting in for offensive options for the Badgers? In terms of number? Yes. Sheesh. If I was being real and I was the coach, if I was Greg Gard for a second, I would say that he definitely has to be your three. I would say he has three? to be your three. Okay. Yes. I would say I would say you let Tyler Wall be Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall is not a scorer, not a natural born scorer. Does he mm-hmm. have the ability to score? Yes, but those are two different things. I right. think that Chucky Hepburn has to be your number one, and you yep. have to have him with that confidence. That and I love that good. Bill brought that up. That was fantastic, Bill, as always. Um, so I think Chucky has to be number one. I think Big Steve can be number two. And then I think you slot a season in at number three. And then you just let Tyler Wall fit in where he fits in. Because Tyler Wall is going to do what Tyler Wall does. He's going to get his layups. He's going to get his ugly, ugly points. He's going to get his offensive rebounds. If you tell people to go crash offensive rebounds, I guarantee you Tyler Wall is the number one beneficiary. Number one. Yeah, that's fair. And that's I think I think Tyler Wall's got the body to set hard but effective screens mm-hmm. if you're talking about a potential screen and roll with Connor Asijin. The other reason I bought up Stephen Crowell in that type of situation is um, – because I said Stephen Crowell could potentially be a pick-and-pop guy who can step out and hit the threes um, yep. in certain situations, even though he struggled about it this season. Um, James, I just got some news back to your point, asking about if Giannis was okay. Um, just got the um, the injury report submitted for – sorry, not tomorrow night's – Friday night's game against the Clippers. Um, Giannis is listed as probable. With right knee soreness, that's the same designation he's had for the last four games, five games. Um, so that's um, that's where we're at with Giannis. So that is encouraging news um, going forward for the Bucks. Um, Jake, as I was going into the Nuggets game, I did mention that Marshawn Bochamp was dealing with knee tendonitis. He's mm-hmm. also listed on the injury report um, with knee tendonitis, but he is also listed as probable. Okay. So that said, um, give me your power pair and your underrated performer. Okay. So power pair, I'm sure you already talked all the honest stats that you could up to this point. I gave a bunch. All right. So obviously Giannis had to be in there. I mean, the guy averaged 39.5, 14 rebounds and four and a half assists. He shot 59 of 94 overall. That's 62%. And he shot six of 14 behind the arc. That's not too shabby. That's 42%. He shoots six of 14 behind the arc every week he's going to be averaging 39 for a lot of weeks. (laughs) Um, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday had kind of a rough shooting week. He shot 45% from the field and 25% behind the arc. He still averaged 18 points, eight and a half rebounds and five assists. That's your, that's your third option. And I understand right now he's probably your second option, but Mm -hmm. when Chris, when Chris becomes Chris, the Chris that we know and we've loved, he becomes your third option, 18, eight and five from your third option. And he has the the ability to shoot much better behind the arc. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. And then my underrated performer is not an underrated guy. And I saw him in a trade today, and it made me sick to my stomach. I saw Pat Connaughton get in a in a trade rumor. Oh my god! I want to tell you that one that I saw too. That I almost was it the one for the Raptors Facebook for for Gary Trent Jr. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, hell no. I said that immediately. I saw Pat in a rapture. I said, hell no. And then I kept scrolling. It was, oh my God. This is probably one of the worst trades that I've seen hypothetically put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
seeing Knicks fans suggest that we trade Cam Reddish for Grayson Allen straight up was was up there, but this one was worse than that. The the proposed trade was Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, and a first round pick for Gary Trent. I said I like Gary no. Trent. I told you that, but no. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. That's an awful deal. Yeah. So real quick before we get back into the Nuggets game here, he averaged 12, 8, and 2. He shot 17 to 35. Easy math. That's 50%. And then 12, 25 on the arc. That's 48%. Definitely livable numbers. He definitely picked it up after Bobby went out. I'm sure you talked about his quote after the game for the Nuggets. I got it. I'm going to save it for when we get into the game. Um, I knew you would have that, but he had a great game against the Nuggets. So with that being said, I'll have some more stats when we are completely finished with the games. And let's get into the Nuggets. You can uh, pick up where you left off. So the first two things that I mentioned with the Bucs and the Nuggets game was Drew scoring five quick points. And then I mentioned him guarding Aaron Gordon. And I talked Mm -hmm. about the power forwards that Drew Holiday has guarded. Chris Middleton comes in off the bench, played really good defense on Jeff Green, actually, hit a three, um, got to the free throw line. The Bucks, however, oh, man, the first quarter was rough. And part of this stems from the way that Giannis was playing because Giannis was doing his regular thing, but he was not getting any foul calls. Mm-hmm. Giannis was playing through so much contact, and I don't want to hear shit about Anybody playing through more contact than Giannis Antetokounmpo does. It's not close. It's really not at this point. Yeah. And part of it was because there were not really any foul calls for Giannis, but he lost the ball a few times in situations where he'd normally get foul calls. But the Bucs had nine turnovers in the first quarter. My gosh. That was, yeah, that was rough. Um, They cleaned it up in the second corner. They only had three turnovers in the second quarter. Um, the Bucks went on a nice second quarter run, actually, with Giannis on the bench. Um, and, you know, this is a scenario where you you mentioned that this would be the 3-1. and one. You mentioned the Nuggets game would be the one that they lost. And I told you I would at you if they won, but you obviously – They didn't have Jokic, so I feel like it's – I know. I was getting there. I was getting there. I know, I know. Get out of jail free card that Jokic, uh, KCP, <laughs> um, Michael Porter, and Jamal Murray weren't playing. Yeah. But I give credit to Denver. Um, they didn't change their identity playing without four starters. Mm-hmm. So I give credit to Mike Malone, actually, who is a coach in the NBA that I actually have a lot of respect for, mm-hmm. for having efficient offensive systems. So I do give credit to Denver for that. Um, Giannis had three fouls in the first half, so he did play a little bit less. Actually, when he got his third foul, Budenholzer kept him in. Giannis wanted to stay in, and Budenholzer kept him in, so there's trust there. Um. Oh, this was Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton hit a three, followed by Drew Holiday pressing Bruce Bar- Bruce Brown at half court and forcing an over and back turnover. Um, we got a little bit of Chris Middleton and Giannis two-man game. That might be mm-hmm. my favorite thing to return with these two back in the lineup together is seeing the two of them running pick and roll together. Yep. I swear it is one of the most unstoppable things in the entire NBA is Chris Middleton and Giannis running the pick and roll. I swear the Badgers score or the Bucks score every single time they run it. I swear. Every time. Well, they they have <clears throat> such a connection, and you can tell True. that they True. just – it's kind of like going back to, to football. 
like Rodgers and Adams, like they just knew where each other was going to be. Like they knew they're both dependable in certain situations, you know? And that's how I feel where Giannis and, and Chris are. It's just like they both they both understand each other. They both know how to adjust to certain things. They play with each other so long, dude. Like they've seen it all, mm-hmm. you know? James said, I've always thought it was the fact that the bigger and more aggressive you play, the less fouls are going to get called in your favor. I, I don't agree with that. Not Not in the strict sense of the literal words, but – I mean, if Giannis is going and he's getting his arms hacked, like it shouldn't just be that because he's bigger and stronger that they don't call fouls. That's not how that should go. Um, you know, that's basically. Do, do I say it? Do I say it? Do I say it? Might as well. LeBron is bigger and stronger than everybody. He didn't get a foul call at the end of the game versus Celtics. Yeah. Just happened. because he's bigger and stronger than everybody, they expect him to 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 fight through that. That was a foul. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was. Yeah. It's it's a scenario where, like, I get that you're saying it's bigger and stronger. They should be able to play through more contact, but right. that doesn't mean that they're not fouls. That that exactly. That's exactly how I feel about Giannis too. That's how I felt about Shaq back in the day. That's how right. I feel about a lot of big men, you know. And right. you know, big men aren't allowed to cry about foul calls unless your name's Joel Embiid. What? <laughs> no, he he flops. Let's not do it. He's. I said this to you last week. I'm like, if Joel Embiid could. I think he would choose to play his entire career on the perimeter. 100%. And you know who else would do that? Anthony Davis. No That's doubt in my mind. Fair. No I, doubt in my mind. I agree with you on that too. Um, so first half, Pat Connaughton was four for four from the field, had 11 points. Drew Holiday had 13 points in the first half. Um, and all right. I did bring up Chris and Giannis running their two-man game. Mm-hmm. Um it was awesome to see Chris Middleton uh, get a steal on Aaron Gordon and then hit a full court cross court pass to Pat Connaughton for another three. Dude. We are in a scenario now where this is our is this this is our third season covering the Bucks. The first mm-hmm. year we covered the Bucks, they won the championship, and then we had last year. So this is our third season covering the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton's passing is still underrated. Crazy. <laughs> Why? It is crazy. He's, I mean, three and a half assists in 17 minutes a game for a small forward. And a guy that's looked at as a scorer, not too shabby. I mean, it's still underrated. He makes good passes. It's not like he's just mm-hmm. throwing alley-oops to Giannis all day. Right. Or down low to Brook, right. Or, yeah, or just running dribble handoffs to guys who shoot threes. Like, he's... <laughs> um, I agree with that. So, seeing Chris Middleton making those passes after getting a steal, I was surprised that he's averaging 1.3 steals in 17 minutes a game in the four games. Dude, he plays passing lanes very well. I won't lie. That's one he's, thing that he's I He's gotten a couple strips, too. Yeah? He's picked some pockets. Um, this game, unfortunately, was similar to um, the Illinois game for the Badgers where they had some turnovers coming out of halftime. Mm-hmm. The Bucks two turnovers to start the third quarter. Um, three turnovers in the first two minutes, four turnovers in the first two minutes and 45 seconds. Mm. That was that was a little rough. I think that's part of what contributed to this game ending up to be a little bit closer than it would have been expected with a bunch of starters up. But Bucks threw a lot of different guys at Aaron Gordon. A lot of different guys. Chris guarded him for a little bit. Giannis guarded him not quite as much. Drew Holiday guarded him. Um, but... A lot of guys thrown at Aaron Gordon. He was 
he's he's good. He's really actually since he's gotten out of Orlando, mm-hmm. I think he's really broken the mold of being a guy that just plays around the rim and is really athletic and dunks a lot. Well, there's something to be said for that too because we're seeing him on TV a lot more too. So people are actually seeing his actual game. So playing next to Jokic definitely makes things a little bit easier, but there was no Jokic in this game and he was still balling. I think his three-point shot might be the thing that's improved the most to give him a little bit of space. But if you're going to survive around Jokic, you better be able to shoot threes. Because I, I did bring up Mike Malone, too, as a as a good coach. So I think that, that yeah. could be a factor. And, and Bruce Brown, dude. Bruce Brown has turned into a player. Like, he is a good yeah. player. He's not just an energy guy off the bench anymore. That is a good yeah. player. That Denver's got a very, very good team. Yeah. Fully healthy. They're scary. Yeah. If they if Denver was a little bit deeper, like I'd I'd have them up in the tier with the Bucks and the Celtics. Well, I agree with that. I th- I think yeah, I think that they're right below it though. I, yeah, I yep. Yeah. Right I think it. they're I think they're in the contender, but not in the favorites category. I think only the Bucks and Celtics should be favorites. I agree. And you know how much that pains me because I god damn it, I hate the Celtics. I know it's they're really annoying. But it is what it is. So Giannis ended up getting into the free throw line way more in the second half, um, arguably disproportionately to the first half. He shot 22 free throws in this game. 21 of them were in the second half. <laughs> it was it was a lot. Um, it was a lot. Fourth quarter, Pat Connaughton was still hot. Grayson Allen was playing really good defense, actually, for most of this game. Um Brooks struggled a little bit. He did still finish the four blocks. Chris Middleton only played 15 minutes. I did say when I did my power pair, I had Chris in it, that I would mention how many minutes Chris Middleton was playing. Because mm-hmm. I do think it's singles that were leading to something. Yep. Uh, 15 minutes he played. 10 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds. Giannis, he did have 9 turnovers. He was part of that first quarter where he wasn't getting a lot of foul calls, losing the ball a little bit. Um, but 33 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, three steals just another full day at the at the office for yeah. um for Giannis. Brian Clark is a Rogers hater. That is well documented, Bernard. Yeah. Um <laughs> fully, yeah. Fully uh well documented that Ryan Clark is a Rogers hater. Uh James said I'm still trying to figure out how to be able to keep up with the game on Valentine's Day. Um hey, guess you have COVID that day. Man. Guess you have COVID yeah. that day, buddy. Gang of COVID that day. <laughs> um, that'll be that'll be a really entertaining game. I hope neither team ends up in a load management situation with that game. Oh, I sure hope not. I don't want like I don't want the Bucks to get to that game and then oh, Giannis has knee soreness. Like no, I don't want to see that, bro. I know. Or, I want to see or Jason like Tatum as conference a finals preview. That's that's what I want. Give us what we want, man. Give yes. us what we want. And there's only two games separating us at this point. So I mean, yeah. still anybody could get the one seed, and that's going to be important. Don't yeah. kid yourself. <clears throat> so Drew Holiday, 20 points, uh, five rebounds, three assists, did have five turnovers. Grayson Allen, seven points, which Grayson Allen gets a lot of flack every time he doesn't score more than 15. But I know he had seven points, but he also had five rebounds and three steals. Um, Justin said plan a dinner out the day before or after Valentine's Day and say that's the night out. That's what I'm doing. Nice. Secret well safe with me, Justin. Secret safe with me. <laughs> <laughs> I caught you on the Wisco Fanatics show. They read your comment. Um, Bernard asked, do y'all think Giannis is the GOAT? Not I yet. think he is the greatest buck of all time. Yes. 
Right now, as far as all-time ranks, he's probably somewhere like 15 to eight, 15 to 20-ish. He's not even the best power forward of all time yet. He's got to pass Tim Duncan, but number two, he'll get he'll get there. I think um, he's got to win a couple more titles. Obviously, uh, yep. maybe one or two more MVPs would help. Maybe another yep. Defensive Player of the Year would definitely help. But uh, no, he's not the greatest of all time. We're not that biased. Right. Um, I think we're both in agreement that Jordan's probably the greatest player of all time. Although yeah. I would definitely. And you know, when LeBron passes Kareem, it's going to get a lot harder. It's going to definitely get a lot harder. He's he's like what number four now in assists. He just did that last night, I believe. He's up to number four in assists, and he's going to be the number one scorer. I don't care about finals record. We're talking about individual player, right? And me and Tyler talk about quarterback record. We hate that. Throw that out. I hate the I hate the finals record for just a single player acting like not everybody helped you get there or win. It's a little different in the NBA because you're one of five, not one of 22. I know I get that, but then so it's a little bit different, but overall I still agree with you. Basketball is still a team. Sport. I mean, at 22 years old, was he beating the Spurs? No. I mean, the heat years, the, the Mav series, I tell people all the time, that's the only series that I hold against LeBron. He played bad in that series. Uh, Dwayne Wade did his thing. Chris Bosh was all right. But when, when you're LeBron James, you're supposed to be LeBron James in the finals. That's the only one I hold back. But I mean, and then you go to go against the Warriors. Name another superstar with J.R. Smith <laughs> that's going to go up against those Warriors and beat them. Yeah, Not even Jordan, and I don't want to hear that. Nah, yeah, not Jordan, on those Cavs teams. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Jordan's beating them. Not with not with KD. Okay, that see that that's a good argument. I could definitely see that as an argument. Jordan played both sides of the court better. See, I'll I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll, that's fair. Jordan Jordan was a better defender overall. I think LeBron is a more versatile defender. True. But he's bigger. It's just the, the comparing the eras thing is just so tough. And little, it's it's a little overplayed at this point. Let's just call it what it is. So it, it's tough. I mean, LeBron I can think, be the, the goat of his era. I think where I'm gonna end up being is if you say one guy is, I'll agree with you. And if you say the other guy is, I'll probably still agree with you. Because you can I make arguments for both, right? Right. So I'm with you on that. Splitting hairs. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Bucks go, Giannis is the best Buck. He was the best Buck last season when he passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most points in franchise history. So Giannis yep. is the best Buck. Um, yep. <clears throat> Middleton is rising in those ranks too. Um, I'll look it up, but he's 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 rising in the ranks um, for all-time Bucks players. Yeah, and we just had the discussion a couple weeks ago about best point guards that we've seen play for the Bucks, and Drew yeah. Holiday is easily number two. When you think about it, yep, two or three. Yeah, he's he's in the top three. So you look at this team. This team overall might be the most talented team the Bucks have ever had. I'll say. Well, that. I would agree with that, hundred percent. That's not a crazy statement. <laughs> That's not not at all. Because I mean, like you got the three All Stars, one of them being an MVP, and then you throw in Brook Lopez, who's just blocking shots like crazy. Now the Celtics have a longer history, so that's definitely a tough one. I would, I would, eras. I would say Bird. Yeah, in my opinion, he. I mean, him. Is- this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Magic brought the NBA to what it is today. And no disrespect to Bill Russell. But, I mean, Bill Russell, it, that's like the people that talk about, like, the Packers back in the day, and we could talk about that, right? Like, oh, you know, there was, like, six teams back then. Like, of mm-hmm. course, we're going to win a bunch of titles. We have the best players Bill, and all that Bill stuff. Bill Russell but. is known more for his number of rings than he is for his style of play. Yeah. Although it is a little unfair they didn't uh, track uh, blocks back then. A little unfair for him because he might be pretty Will high. Chamberlain would be the GOAT if they did. Oh, 100%. <laughs> He's the GOAT, bro. He would have freaking 10,000 blocks. You're like, I'm not even shocked. <laughs> right? Will Chamberlain averaged 13 blocks a game for his career. <laughs> it's not shocked. <laughs> it's also as many women as he hung out with after the game. <laughs> 13 a night? <laughs> 13 a night. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, What's up, Isaac? Um, So – Pat Connaughton, back to the Nuggets game, had 19 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. He was asked after the game about his performance. This is probably one of the most wholesome things that I've ever heard from Pat Connaughton. Mm-hmm. And he says, I wish I could have had 20 and 10 because that's what Bobby does. Right in the feels, you bastard. Oh, Pat <laughs> Connaughton, what a guy. As if we needed another reason to love Pat Connaughton. We have all the reasons. Um, yeah, you really do have all the reasons. Um, so I mentioned the Giannis's free throws. He had 21 of his 22 attempts in the second half. That is the most out of any player in any half this season. That 21, that's the most in a half. Um, so this was, this was kind of rough and I do give credit to the Nuggets for playing tough. The Bucks missed eight free throws. This is rough. 23 points off turnovers for Denver and 21 second chance points. Oh, my God. That's 52 fundamental failure points. This game was – it was sloppy for the Bucks. This is a scenario where the Bucks came in knowing that they were playing against the team down four starters, and they, they kind of played like it a little bit. I will say this. I saw a lot of people like, oh, if Jokic would have played, we would have lost. First of all, that changes everything. Second of all, Jokic is basically a layup line in, in the middle. Like he does True. not play defense. So that would have changed everything right there. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, if those players play, everything changes. So we don't know who wins. And we're not going to play hypothetical. So we won the game. It is what it is. True. It's good enough for me. 
was there what what stood out to you from that Bucks and Nuggets game last Wednesday? First of all, the first thing I want to say is, God damn it, is that court beautiful? That court with those jerseys is freaking – it's one of the most beautiful things in the league. Yes, I'm biased when I say that. I don't care. That blue, for some reason, is just like – I love that blue. It looks nice. It does. <laughs> it does. Um, I'll just say the turnovers, you know, you've been, you've been killing that the whole time, and I agree. Um, the sloppiness really, really uh, stuck out to me. Um, and I, I just wanted to give credit to Aaron Gordon. I think Aaron Gordon has really, really improved. That's the only other thing I have in my notes. The things that stuck out to me is I'm, I'm watching that game. And, you know, like I said about Bruce Brown already, but like I, I was watching that game and, you know, Giannis is doing his thing that I'm used to and everybody else is contributing. And Pat Connaughton was on fire, which obviously I loved. But then all of a sudden I'm like Aaron Gordon again. And then he hit the one three in the in the fourth quarter and he looked at the Bucks bench and I was like, oh, okay, he's hooping. Okay. He's hooping right now. And I just wanted to give credit to him because we're allowed to do that every once in a while. Yeah. And that's that's totally, totally a fair thing to do. And I think it's um I think it's a good thing to do when your opponents play well is to show respect for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a really good thing for us to do specifically because I think it um, it detracts from any potential bias that people can say that we have by giving credit to opponents where it's due. We just said that Giannis is not the GOAT when we could easily just say Giannis is the GOAT. There's nobody ever better. Yeah. We could just do that easily. <laughs> yeah. we're not and and it, is, it is easy. Like you just say that. Giannis, Giannis has a DPOY and an MVP in the same season. And LeBron's never done that, so Giannis is better than LeBron. They they often do, Bill. They often do. I'll say that. <clears throat> That's um, kind of the area where we die because Brooke plays so far back. I was just going to say, I'm going to address actually both of the last two comments. Bill said, is it just me or our team's getting great looks from six to eight feet on the Bucks defense? Bill, that's where the Bucks want you to shoot. Yep. They want anywhere basically from eight to about 15 feet is where the Bucks want you to shoot. They don't want you getting too close so that you're scoring at a higher rate. And they don't want you shooting threes because they're worth an extra point. They mm-hmm. want you shooting mid-range. That's what the Bucks want you to shoot. They want you to shoot mid-range and floaters and make you try to beat them that way. That's the lowest percentage two-point shot. That's obviously worth one less point than the three-point shot. That's where the Bucks want you to shoot. Yep. Um, and then James said, I'm not going to lie, I don't live for what-ifs. You just have to take results as they happen. That's that's very well said. Um, what-ifs and, and dwelling on them, that's really just a recipe to put yourself through a bunch of emotional, emotional turmoil that you don't need to put yourself through. Packers fans could uh, <laughs> listen to that. What if we trade Aaron Rodgers for this? What if Rodgers doesn't come after? What if no, we what if we would have traded Aaron Rodgers two years ago? Where would Jordan Love be? Like doing all that, like that's you're just concerning yourself with things that will never happen. Well, what if I won the lottery? Exactly. A lot of a lot of things could happen if I won the lottery. <laughs> right. Um, Bill said now that I know that I'll stop swearing at my TV. Hey, glad we can help, Bill. Hopefully, save, hopefully save you from a little bit of emotional turmoil. I'll, um, I'll swear yes. my TV for you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, um, and you did bring up the the <clears throat> the all time point guards and a little bit of the goat discussion. This did bring us back to something we mentioned last week was mm-hmm. potentially 
live streaming Jake and I watching the 2001 Eastern Conference Finals. That is something we're going to do this summer. Uh, we're going to start in the end of June, like right around when the finals are ending after the Bucks are raising their another banner. Um, we're going to start, we're going to start watching the Eastern conference finals on Friday nights. So we're going to live stream those. Uh, we're going to watch the games and Jake and I'll be on screen as well. And having the knowledge of the game that we have now that we didn't have when we were kids in the early two thousands, cause Jake and I were both born in the early nineties. Um, and we're you know eight years old watching the games. Yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna stream us watching them, and and that'll be fun. So that'll be June and July. That'll be Friday nights. Every Friday night, we're gonna watch one of the games from that seven game series against the 76ers. and we might do a bonus one after it, watching um, interviews of George Carl and Ray Allen talking about the refs potentially fixing those games to get Allen Iverson into the finals to face off against Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. Big city versus big city, man. It makes sense. Big name, big city. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the Pacers game. What stood out to you from that game from Friday night? Man, we shot the ball well. That's the first thing I noticed. Uh, 53% from the field, 52 of 98. That is that is fantastic. Um, 18 of 43 from me on the arc. That's 42%. Also very livable. Uh, 50 rebounds. The assist to turnover ratio was two to one. That's much better than it was mm. against the Nuggets because it was we had 16 assists and 23 turnovers versus the Ugh. Nuggets. Horrible. And then 32 assists. That means that everybody was touching the ball. Energy was great. Um, the 58 points in the paint is good. The free throw percentage, not good. 19 to 31. But um, the one thing I wanted to talk about, I forgot to bring this up with the Nuggets, is uh, I tracked Giannis's free throws late um, against the oh, Nuggets. Yep. He was six of seven. And against the Pacers, when they were doing a hack of Giannis, he went five of seven. So well, I mean, that's that's wonderful uh for him to be able to the thing, you know, and, and they talked about it. I forgot who was calling the game, but uh he talked about Giannis's ability. You know, this is what great players do. Yes, everybody knows that he's not a great free throw shooter, is he has the ability to just turn it on when he has to, and that's what great players yep. do. Giannis may not be a jump shooter, but shit, we're about to talk about it next game. When he had to make some jump shots, he made some jump <laughs> shots, right? When he has to go to the free throw line and make free throws, for some reason, and this is what separates him from the human race, in my opinion, is he could just make himself do it. And that's that's a wonderful thing for us to have. Um, I also was going to point out that we now have a 10-game win streak versus the Pacers by an average mm. margin of 15 points per game. The last time we lost to the Indiana Pacers was March 4th of 2020. We've almost gone three years, three calendar years without losing to the Pacers. And that's, and that's, this isn't like a scenario where the Bucks didn't win in Utah since 2001, that that only game, that game only happens once a yep. year. We're talking four games a year against the Pacers because they're both a in the year. central division. That's crazy, dude. <laughs> like we got them and the Bulls. We just get free wins. Well, not this year against the Bulls, I guess, which is really. I lost one. Ooh. Yeah. Cool. Remember after they beat us in Game Two in the playoffs last year, and they're like Bulls in five. <laughs> Lol. Don't worry, I'll never forget that because I laughed so goddamn hard, I almost pissed my pants. <laughs> I was like, "You can't be serious, bro. You think the Rose is just gonna go for fifty every game? You think he's prime Jordan?" Oh, that was funny. That was that made me laugh. Sure. <clears throat> Go ahead, buddy. All right. So Chris Middleton off the bench again. Um, 
Pat Connaughton, still hot, started three for three behind the three-point line. Um, at nine points and three rebounds in like the first four minutes of a game. Um, it was cool to see. Um, I don't I don't want this to happen a lot, but Giannis was setting up a post fade and he passed out of it to Joe Ingles, who hit a three. Um, the only thing that I don't like about that is like it's a fundamental of the game is that you don't leave your feet to pass. That's the only reason I didn't really particularly care for for that. But uh worked for Giannis in this specific instance. Um, Drew Holiday hit a cross-court pass to Joe Ingles for a three. Brooke Lopez hit a deep three. Wesley Matthews hit a buzzer-beater three. I mean, first quarter, the Bucks were 9 of 16 from the three-point line. That's nuts. Yes, it is. The Bucks ended the first quarter on a 15-3 to run. Had 11 assists in the first quarter alone. Yeah, that kind of set the tone for the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> it really did. Um, ball movement in the second quarter, just fantastic. Um, Giannis hit Javon Carter for a three. Javon Carter scored. This is nuts. Javon Carter scored 10 points in the second quarter in two and a half minutes. I was going to bring it up, man, because I know you wanted to talk about it too. Um, I was trying to wait, but he's been playing really well since he came out of his slump because he was in a little bit of offensive slump yep. for a while there. All of a sudden, he's back up, man. He's we're, been hey, we're keep talking about shots. him every game. Totally fine with that. Yes. Uh, Chris Middleton scored 17 points in the first half. Didn't hit a single three to get those 17. Oof. Bro, Oof. if you're getting cooked by Chris Middleton and he's not even hitting threes on you. You're in trouble. <laughs> you're we're in, in trouble. Where if he's not in a minutes restriction, like he's putting up 30 or 40 on you. Oh, easy. Easy. Maybe more. Ask Washington. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those that don't get it, Chris Middleton scored 50 points against the Wizards. <laughs> um, hit a full court pass to Drew Holiday. And all right, I'm going to say one more thing, and then I'm going to get back into Chris Middleton. Bucks had 19 assists, only seven turnovers in the first half of this game. That is fucking fantastic. Chef's kiss. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> now, I want to get back to Chris Middleton. Because I saw people questioning why Budenholzer wasn't spreading his minutes out if he was only going to play 15 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Why would you take your hot hand out of the game when he's playing really well strictly for the sake of spreading out his minutes? Uh, I don't know, man. No, you leave him in the game and you see how many he can score. Yeah. Like if he's if dude's in a good scoring rhythm and he's in the zone, you don't take him out of the game just so you can spread out his minutes. What the fuck? Yeah, man. Let him use all his minutes. Exactly. Like I don't care when he plays them. If he plays them and he's playing well, leave him in the game. Yeah. Okay. So going into the second half, um, the Pacers. I will give the Pacers credit because they are you know they're one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference, which is true, but. They are top in the league in fast break points, and they have the most double-digit comebacks in the NBA. Um, they hit they hit a lot of threes, and like I just mentioned, they're number one in fast break points. Both of those things. Um, the Hornets are actually pretty good at this as well, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But mm-hmm. those are things that can get you back into games quickly. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking, you know, if the Pacers get a couple more good wing players – you know, Pacers are maybe three, four years away from, from being a problem. Yeah. Um, 
So I will give the Pacers credit for that. Um, Giannis was struggling on free throws a little bit. Um, and, you know, Steve Novak brought up a similar thing that I've said, and that's the Bucks play style changes when they have a big lead. Yeah. They get a little sloppy. They, you know, they start getting a little nonchalant with their passes. The shot selection goes down a little bit. So I just want to bring up that Steve Novak said something that I've said. So that makes me sound smart. <laughs> um, you just got to keep playing the way that got you the lead is exactly what he said you just mm-hmm. got to keep playing the way that got you the lead um, there was less ball movement in the second half which is something that I always make sure to bring up when they're doing it well is the mm-hmm. ball movement when the ball movement's good that's when the Bucks are just so damn good because they have so many guys that can score and so many guys that can shoot three-pointers like basically everybody except for Giannis is over 30%. And a threat for sure. Exactly. Um, so, and I, I'm going to say this I think ball movement won the Warriors at least one of their titles. Oh, easily. That's something that the Warriors are so good at is keeping the ball moving. And I would say the Spurs too. Being, being disciplined to make good passes. And a lot of them to pass up good shots for great shots, and then having guys that can hit those shots that that makes you damn near unbeatable. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, under Budenholzer, the Hawks won 60 games when they had True. no business just because of ball movement alone. Yeah, they they had their entire starting five named as the Eastern Conference Player of the Week once. That is insane. I, that'll never that happen. That's a weird thing. <laughs> um, Isaac brought up another good one, the Magic as well, when they made the finals with Dwight Howard. That's a that's a good point. That team's a little underrated, in my opinion. Everybody Dude, talks we're about talking about, like Keto Turkoglu was damn near an all-star. Bro, Keto Turkoglu was hooping, man. Rich, <laughs> Richard Lewis, bro, he Richard was hooping. Lewis. Yeah. Jameer Nelson. I mean, Jameer Nelson, yeah. They, they were balling, man. Yeah. Oh, they had one other guard, too. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Was it JJ or no? No, not JJ. I want to say it was number 10, and I can't remember his name now. God damn it. No, I'm gonna look it's it not up. Keith Bogans because it was after that. What was that, 2008? 2000, yeah, it would have been 08, 09. 2008, Magic roster. All right, let's see, let's see. Isaac said Hito was the ugliest man and still hit shots. Ursan was ugly too, but he hit shots and took charges. Ray for Alston, maybe? No. It was Tyron Lou who was number 10, by the way. Tyron Lou. They did have JJ Reddick. Hugh Turku. Mikhail Petrus, remember him? Oh, oh man. Yeah. Courtney Lee. Young Courtney, Courtney Lee might have been it. That Courtney might be Lee. Who I was thinking of. Marson Gortat. God, Jesus. Now I just. No, feel... I think it was not Greg Anthony. <laughs> no. It was, uh, it was probably. It was JJ probably Courtney. Courtney Lee might have been the one I was thinking of. Yeah, <clears throat> one of those two. <clears throat> but they, that was a pretty damn good roster for 2008. Yeah, well, Isaac said Courtney Lee too. Um, so ball movement super important. Um, and you know I mentioned where Giannis was struggling on free throws. I think that's arguably where Chris Middleton has missed the most. Yeah, is late game situations where team are looking to foul on purpose. Um. Because Grayson, while he is a very good free throw shooter, and Drew Holiday has been um, the best in his career, he's shooting a career high mm-hmm. on free throw percentage this season. Um, Drew isn't, 
I don't want to say he's not reliable because he is because he's awesome. Mm-hmm. He does for his career shoot in the upper 70s. Um, <clears throat> and then for Grayson Allen, he just doesn't have quite the ability that Chris Middleton does to get open just to get the ball to him. Chris Middleton has like four inches on Grayson Allen um, and just that scorer's ability to get the ball to him. So that's where I'll say that Chris Middleton is, is missed. I think the only argument I could make against that, if I could play devil's advocate real quick, would be Chris's poise in those sure. in those pressure moments. Sure. Yep. I think, and this might sound crazy, so just stick with me for a sec, because Giannis is the man on this team, and I'm not saying that he's not. But mm-hmm. in those pressure moments, who does everybody, including Giannis, look to when we need to make a call yeah. on offense, when we need a ball handler, when we need a playmaker? If ball yeah. goes right into Chris's hands, yep. and he makes the decision whether to shoot or pass. And – and again, Giannis is the man. He had 50 in the finals game. But I'm telling you, without Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday made plays too, without Chris Middleton, we don't win a title. Like, and period. the word that we didn't use yet, and it's the word that I was kind of searching for, um, is that during that finals run, and I think just on this team in general, I think Chris Middleton is he is the closer still. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think Giannis is taking some big steps oh i agree 100 he's he's had he's he's almost been forced to which if you think about Giannis's career him being forced to do something and learn is it's almost like a it's a huge benefit for us because jason oh, Kidd sure. fo- put him in in some situations like okay you're six nine now okay go be the point guard then okay well you're gonna turn the ball over a lot you're gonna make bad decisions you're gonna be late on passes but you know what that did it forced him to learn And without Chris this year and in the playoffs last year, he had to, he had to do a lot of growing up, uh, not only in the leadership aspect, which we've talked about before, um, basketball IQ aspect, which we've also talked about because we're both really, really smart people and we need to be recognized. Um, but also in the, in the closer aspect, I think that he's just, he was just asked in an interview if he's, if he's improved and he said he hasn't shown it yet. And if that doesn't fucking scare you, dude, he literally he no said he's only reached 60% of his capability. He believes he has two more levels to go. That's not okay. He said that after he dropped 50. That's not he's okay. Like, Dude, ask him about 50. He's like, I got two more levels. Like, Fucking what? What? <laughs> what are you talking about, bro? Um, so, against the Pacers, Giannis had 41 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. Drew had 20 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Chris Middleton had his 17 points all in the first half. Uh, also had four rebounds, four assists, and two steals. Um, Brooke Lopez bounced back nicely from the field. He was two for 11 against the Nuggets, five for eight against the Pacers. Pat Connaughton had 14 more points, eight more rebounds, and three steals while shooting four for six in the three-point line. Grayson Allen had 13 points, four assists, two rebounds. Javon Carter had 12 points, two rebounds, two assists. I mean – Damn, you're talking about a dude where a guy dropped 40 and we still had five players in double figures. Yikes. We didn't even have our best bench player, dude. <laughs> Teams are so screwed. I cannot wait for the playoffs. I mean, I can, but bro, oh boy, I tell you what. So the Bucks missed 12 free throws, gave up 12 second chance points, 13 points off turnovers, fundamental failure, totaled 37 points. That's not terrible. It's a little bit above their average, but um, 
Bill said, basically Giannis put the NBA on notice. If you think he's good now, just wait. I think he put the NBA on notice as in, you know, I'm, I'm MVP caliber, but I know I can still be better and I'm going to strive for that. With a dude with Giannis's work ethic, like Jake said, that should scare you. Isaac, we're taking out the Celtics, bro. Giannis, if there's one human being and you grew up, uh, you know, not grew up, but you watch Kobe Bryant, if there is one player who has the Mamba mentality, miss me with Jason Tatum and his corny-ass antics, wearing the sleeve and then wearing the Kobe shirt where he's wearing the Boston shirt, miss me with that. Actions speak louder than words, and that has always been true in life, not just in sports, not just out of sports. Actions speak louder than words, and you want to talk about a guy that's get, that remembers, first of all, that feeling of losing, and the guy that's going to put in the work, we have the best leader in the NBA. Giannis, I know, not forget. I know I've said this before, but the season where we went from scrawny Giannis to the picture of him in the white tank top where he's holding the dumbbells, mm-hmm. like, bro – that Giannis, the like how jacked he is now compared to how skinny he was when he came in. Like, I don't know how you put anybody's work ethic above that. That's absolutely insane. J- James, I'm not saying that he did, but there are people in the media who have said that who had he had the mama mentality and that he's the next great superstar. Miss me I've with that. With Devin Booker, too. Tatum Tatum wants no smoke with Giannis when it really becomes time. That's all I'm going to say. He wants no smoke. He can't handle Giannis when it matters. All right. So let's go to – let's go to the game. Pool. Boy, uh, do you, I'm going to let you have your, your stats. I got a couple stats too, but I don't want to say them if you have them. You so, can say them. I rest assured, I've got more. Okay, I'll just I'll just start with mine. Um, this is his tenth forty point game of the year. Yeah. Um, he had ten last year in sixty seven games. He has ten now in thirty nine games. <laughs> also, his second fifty point game of the year. Yep. So that's nuts. Um, that's the only two that I'm going to steal from you. I'm going to let you have the rest. That's his twenty um, fifth thirty point game of the season. 25th 30 point game. <laughs> Holy shit. He's only played 39. <laughs> Holy shit, bro. So he's only had 14 games where he didn't score 30. Yeah. And I almost guarantee that most of them he's within a shot. 27 or more. I can almost guarantee that. By most of them. Um the thing, the, the thing that really jumps out at you when you look at this is both teams only had 12 turnovers. The Bucks ended up with 27 assists. The Pelicans with 25. So both teams moved the ball well, didn't turn the ball over a lot. Um, the Bucks killed them on the boards, 57 to 38. We manhandled those little dudes. That's we three to fi- two. That's, three, that's literally three to two. <laughs> that is disgusting. Um, when the Bucks, the Bucks are at their best when they can control rebounding and – they shoot the ball, which, you know, sounds like super generic, but mm-hmm. not every team has the ability to do both. That's all I'm going to say. True. There's like levels to this. So like some teams are really good rebounding. Some teams are really good shooting. Some teams, mm-hmm. only certain teams can do both. And I'll, yep. I'll give credit again to the, the Celtics because they can do both as well. They can play really physical and, 
you know, when you have Brown and Tatum, which we've said is the best tandem in the league, when both those dudes are hitting threes, they're pretty damn good. Um, Giannis, though, dude, Jesus Christ. I'm watching this guy Eurostep spin, do whatever the hell he wants for as long as he wants. And that second three that he hit, dude, holy hype, dude. He hit the first one, and I was like, oh, shit, he's got a chance for 50. You know, right. he, got the, he got the 44, and then 47. I was like, oh, shit. He get, he said, pass the ball in. Give the ball back to me, Drew. Now get the hell out of my way. But Drew set a good screen, I will say, to force that, that switch. Giannis said, Psh, I don't need a switch. I'm pulling up from Curry range, bro. That shit was disgusting. If he does that on a regular basis, you're fucked. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> all right <clears throat> so on your point on the assists the bucks are now 24 and 4 when they have more than 23 assists in a game wow 24 and 4 holy shit that's a good that i'll take that didn't think they were um, james said i i love when they drafted the jays but i didn't think they'd become what they are Hey, that's sometimes that's the best. That's the best where you draft a guy and you don't have the incredibly high expectations and then they exceed anything you could have even thought they would be. Uh, Bill said when he held the pose after the last three was classic. He Giannis basically owned this game from wire to wire. Yeah. He started six for six, getting to the rim basically at will, scored 12 of the first 17 points and assisted on two of the other ones. So he scored or assisted on 14 of the first 17 points. <laughs> Chris Middleton's two for four, two for two start in the first quarter. He missed a three, and then Drew Holiday got the rebound. Chris cut back door, and we got to see Chris Middleton throw a dunk down in this game. Bro, too. how hype was that too? Dude, like, oh, and he was, that was a good one too. It wasn't just like a rim grazer; like he caught, he grabbed the rim. It was a loud dunk. And I'm like, I'm like he's feeling good. He's feeling good. Behind that one, um, Giannis had 18 points in the first quarter. 14 of them were in the paint. Jesus. Yeah, and he had the one monster dunk, too. The ver- mm-hmm. I love Those might be my favorite Giannis seeing, dunks. The seeing Valanciunas underneath the rim like this because he didn't want to get hit with the ball, like, that was good. Yeah, those are the best ones. Um, Jordan, there was, a, there was one um, position, or not position, possession in the first quarter. Actually, it was the first half, sorry where Jordan Wara and Grayson Allen both got offensive rebounds on the same possession and led to a Giannis layup. Um, Bucks were getting threes from a handful of players again. Bucks made um, 17 threes. Only five of them were in the first half. Nine different players combined to make those 17 threes. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. We're talking about a team that has a lot of guys that can shoot. Jesus Christ. Um, I'll give New Orleans credit. They kept the pace for a while. They were uh, they cut the lead to six with five and a half minutes left in the first half. Bucks finished the first half on a 16 to four run. Well, <laughs> Giannis was the only player in double figures in the first half for the Bucks. Um, <laughs> this has nothing to do with the game, but I'm watching the game. And because it was Bengals' birthday, they had a bunch of mascots there and stuff, and they had, like, a giant inflatable cake. But if you're watching, like, towards the end of the first half, um, towards the end of the first half, 
like, like in the last minute of the game, you can see the giant inflatable birthday cake being brought across the bottom of the screen by one of the cheerleaders. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> just a giant inflatable birthday cake coming down the bottom of the screen while there's still a minute left in the first half. And it's like, it was just, I don't know, it made me laugh. <laughs> hey, Bengals a beastie mascot. Bangle, yeah, Bengals awesome, but it was just super random just to see during during a game just a giant inflatable birthday cake being like dragged across the bottom of the screen where the score is held. <laughs> so it made me laugh. Um, first half. <clears throat> so this is the first half. This is the first half. New Orleans as a team had 20 points in the paint. As a team, Giannis individually had 22 points in the paint. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> uh, second half, Pat Connaughton hit back-to-back threes. And I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The Bucks need to improve their transition defense a little bit. That's yeah. the one thing the Bucks can get better at. Mm-hmm. Um, twice in the second half, New Orleans got – transition makes or transition buckets after the Bucks made a field goal. That's that's inexcusable. Yeah, I agree. Um, but second half, we got to see Joe Ingles. He was sniping threes. Drew Holiday got the mid-range going. He only had six points in the first half. He had nine in the third quarter. Mm. So Drew Holiday got going. Um, <clears throat> seeing um, Javon Carter again getting steals and he just runs up and I don't know this is probably just a question to have to ask him if it's his ability to either like stop his momentum from going forward and then go up or if he just kind of carries his momentum through his shot but that's a tough three to make like it's an open shot Mm-hmm. but it's really hard if you're running in a full sprint and then stopping and shooting to not have your momentum carry you forward and shoot a three that just hits the back of the rim and bounces back towards you. That's a really good question, to be honest with you. That's that's a tougher three than people would, would think it is just because it's an open three. I agree. So I'm going to give Javon Carter a little bit of credit for that because those are tough shots to hit. Um, Chris Middleton played 18 minutes in this game, still coming off the bench. He had nine points, four assists, and three rebounds. Um, Giannis, Giannis had 50 points. He had 13 rebounds and four assists. He only scored six points in the third quarter. Holy shit. He scored 50 points in 30 minutes yeah that is insane yes it is that is just absolutely insane and even more to it um yeah those two threes that he hit were just just two but i want to pull this up because um only two guys scored more than Giannis doing this um, I just want to bring up the numbers so I have it exactly correct. Um, free throws. So, no. Uh, um, Giannis only made seven free throws. Giannis only made seven free throws in this game. So that means 43 of his 50 came from the field. Um, wow. Clay Thompson and Devin Booker were the other two. 
Um, the only two players that made less free throws while scoring 50 points. Clay Thompson scored 50, making two free throws, and Devin Booker scored 50, making five free throws. Those guys are shooters, though, so that's different. Um, right. Um, Bill asked, do you think the Bucks will bring Middleton off the bench until the playoffs start? Um, no, I don't think it's going to last even until the All-Star break. I think even before they get to that. Um, now that he's played 20 minutes in a game, um, I think we could see him in the starting lineup as early as Friday, although I don't think it's completely necessary that they do. Um, I think he could be in the starting lineup as early as Friday. Um, but it'll definitely, I would say definitely before the all-star break, but no, it won't go as long as um, all the way to the playoffs. <clears throat> so also they, in this they game. play tomorrow, just so you know, buddy. They why did tomorrow. I see Friday night? I thought it was tomorrow. And then I saw yeah, somebody play- tweet that it was Friday night. No, they, they play tomorrow at 9 p.m. So I'm going to be yeah, dead at home game. Yeah. And you know what they're giving away at the game? It's a, it's tomorrow only a lap blanket. I was say there tomorrow is. the blanket. Yeah. Yeah, they're giving away that little blanket. And I was I was uh talking to Brittany, fan of the show, and I was like, Brittany, you have to give me one of those blankets. I have been a Bucks fan my entire life. I respect the purple. You don't respect the purple because it's a purple one. I was like, give me your towel. <laughs> and she was like, Okay, but you have to let me use one of your jerseys. Like, all right, bet. Easy. That's easy oh, for easy me. trade. Totally easy. fair deal. <laughs> She just um, can't wear my Michael Red one. That's the only one she can't. Yeah, you should probably have that one in the case. No, nah, I wear that one all the time, to be honest with you. That that's like my like I wear it on Wednesdays actually. Me and me and the girlfriend, we sit down and we watch our couple TV shows and we just kind of have our family time. That's my family time shirt. You know, it's nice and chill, bro. Michael Red. And I taught my stepson who Michael Red was because he was like, like, Who's that guy you're wearing? I was like, You don't know about Mike Red, bro? You don't know about Mike Red, bro? Like, I made him watch his 57-point game. He was like, oh, my God, this guy's Steph Curry. I was like, no, it's Michael Red. No, oh, that's Michael Red. <laughs> exactly. That maybe, Red. that maybe could be something else we watch after we do the 2001 Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe we watch some Michael Red classic games. Oh, I would love that. Love him, and, him and Gilbert Arenas were going at it for a while, who was leading the league in scoring. Good times. We got to add Bogut in there, though, because I love me some Bogut. Because you are Andrew Bogut. I'm fine with that. I love Andrew Bogut. I'm a champion, <laughs> baby. Um, so also in this game, Drew Holiday, 17 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Um, Brooke Lopez, 15 points, eight rebounds, three assists, two blocks. Grayson Allen, eight points, four assists, two steals. Joe Ingles had nine points and three assists. Wesley Matthews had eight points and nine rebounds. And I gotta say. I, I love that everybody is taking it upon themselves to step up in the rebounding department with Bobby Portis out. I agree with that. It's it's really become a team effort, and it's really encouraging to see the entire team stepping up in the absence of Bobby Portis, really rallying around him being injured. So I really do appreciate that from the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, 12 second chance points. 13 points off turnovers for the Pelicans, eight missed free throws by the Bucks. That's 33 fundamental failure points. That's right on the average. So really nothing to complain about there. We we got to talk. Oh, no. Giannis owns the Pelicans. He does. He is owner of the Pelicans. Um, this is his <laughs> this is his sixth 
straight 30.10 rebound double-double against the Pelicans. Oh. You want to know the averages during that time frame? I do. Last six games, Giannis against the Pelicans, and I posted this on Monday. 39.5 points, 12.8 rebounds, five assists, 64.4% from the field, 45.8% from the three-point line. Well, I want to play the Pelicans in the finals. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and that's and the Bucks only play the Pelicans twice a year, so you can't give me the guys are injured excuse because that dates all the way back to the 2020-2021 season. Wow. Pretty good. I'll take it. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's let the Bucks and the Pelicans play in the finals. Let's go to the Bucks and Hornets game. Uh, what did you see from last night's game that stood out to you? So I was holding in my laugh because you were talking about how the Pelicans are good at um, cre- uh, creating turnovers and scoring fast. And when I was watching the game, and obviously I watched the first game too, that's the one area that they could take advantage of the Bucks when they get sloppy is they could score really, mm-hmm. really quick because they have a lot of athletes. Yep. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. Because I was like, I'm thinking that, dude, while I'm watching this game. I'm like, these dudes like to get yep. up and down the floor. They're young. They don't really have any any guy down low that's really going to dominate you or anything like that. So they got to create paint points in another way. So that's how they're going to create paint They do points. it second chance points, too. They're actually seventh in the NBA in second chance points. The Bucks are eighth. Oh, wow. That's, well, there's a stat for you. Um, so the Bucks, 18 assists, 12 turnovers. Not great. Not bad. Livable. The Hornets, 27 assists and 11 turnovers. That's pretty goddamn good. Um, the Bucks shot the free throw well. Points in the paint, we won that. Uh, we won fast break points, which is shocking because I just gave credit to the Hornets with fast break points. So Bucks won that. No team really shot the ball crazy, but the Bucks just ended up making more threes, and we ended up – we had Giannis out at a Kumbo. Mm, um, that helps. I just – want us to appreciate because even with Rodgers, you know, I was still younger when I was in high school where I don't think I appreciated Rodgers as much as I should have with the Packers. I do not want to miss an opportunity to appreciate Giannis. And, you know, people talk about him all the time. Media talks about him all the time. We talk about him all the time. He's always in our power pair. Like you've said a hundred times, he could probably have his own segment. True. I don't want us to forget to appreciate what we have because I remember the days when we didn't have him, <laughs> and it was it was tough. It was rough, you know. I remember his rookie year; that was also rough. But he did a drive in the first quarter, and he takes one dribble, does a spin, and finishes the layup. And I'm sitting there with my stepson last night. I'm watching the game, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, dude! Like, do you understand how much area he just covered with one dribble? Like, he just made that look so easy. And, like, like, that's not easy. Like, not everybody can just pick up a ball, spin, cover the entire lane, and finish over the center. Like, that, that's impossible. So, I just want to say that I appreciate Giannis. Every game that I watch, I'm just like, good God, this guy is just amazing. And now he's, 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 just, he's just everything, man. He's got several plays every game where it's, how did he do that? Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. 
You, you can um, you can go ahead. I just wanted to give a, uh, an appreciation to Giannis because I don't want to miss out on it when he's old. You'd be like, oh man, I remember right, Giannis right. with this. You know, Bill like, said I don't want to broadcast if we're stunned on that play. They were that that was crazy. Like he just made it look so nonchalant too. He just runs back on defense. I'm like, bro, you're not you're not physically supposed to be able to do that. Like that's impossible. <laughs> um, what's up, Simon? So Chris Middleton did still come off the bench in this game. He's up to 20 minutes mm-hmm. in this game. Um. I want to say too that you know the Hornets were actually healthy for this game. True. So like Lamelo Ball played, Gordon Hayward was actually healthy for this game as well. So I wanted to mention him as well. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned already that the Hornets can score quickly. That kind of got into this late game situation where the game got a little bit closer than maybe it should have. Yep. But. First quarter, Bucks started off pretty slow start from the three-point line. However, 13 second chance points in just the first quarter last night. Man. Um, Brooke Lopez had three blocks in the first quarter. And Pat Connaughton, while not shooting super well, was super active early in the game. Mm-hmm. Like he's running around on defense. He's running. He's getting tip balls on the offensive end. Um and just really just being everywhere, just playing with energy. Like Pat Connaughton, he really doesn't get enough credit for how much he does for the team. True. Um, speaking of not getting credit, Grayson Allen and Drew Holiday in the first half were playing very good on-ball defense on LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier. And I made sure to emphasize the on-ball part of it because there were some situations where there was defensive breakdowns and those guys ended up open and made some shots more ball than Rozier, but when playing on the ball, Grayson Allen and Drew Holiday both played very good defense on those two, and it reflected in their ending field goals. I was waiting for you to bring up Grayson Allen defense the entire time. How many weeks are we going to go? And this is just – this could be rhetorical. You can answer it. I don't care. How many weeks are we going to go where we talk about Grayson Allen playing good defense before we just recognize that he's good on defense? Because that was definitely a problem for him last year in the playoffs. No hiding it whatsoever. True. And he didn't play great against the Celtics, but, dude, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they score on everybody, okay? Right. So let's not just pretend that Grayson Allen's supposed to just step up on Jalen Brown and stop him from scoring 30. He can right. pour 30 in on Kawhi if he really wanted to. Right. Let's just call it what it is. But Grayson Allen's been playing a lot of really good defense. He's been passing the ball well. And to your point, he's been driving and kicking really well. So yeah. – if I see Grayson Allen traded, I'm at the point where I'm emotionally just going to be a wreck because I don't want to see him gone. Yeah, I'm I'm more strongly on the let's trade salary fillers and a bunch of draft picks. I agree. That's, that's really only what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I don't want to trade anybody in the top nine of the rotation. And honestly, the way he's played in the last week, I don't know that I even want to trade Wesley Matthews. Me either. I don't really want to trade George Hill either, man. He's leading the team in – assist to turnover ratio. I could see trading him. I really could because of yeah. Javon Carter and we have so many ball handlers and now having, um, you know, uh, Joe Ingles, Ingles, sorry, I was like yeah. for a second, having Ingles back and having Chris Middleton back. I could see that we don't need him, but right. it's better, you know, it's better to be prepared for a situation where guys are in foul trouble or this guy tweaks his foot or something. And then you right. have that option. I mean, to be honest, the only thing the Bucks need to add is another defender on the wing. Yep. It doesn't even need to be Jay Crowder. It doesn't have to be Jay Crowder. It doesn't. 
Yeah. Um, one guy that I would be willing to trade for, and it would probably require the Bucks to trade their 2029 first round pick. But <laughs> I'd like to see the Bucks maybe trade for Jared Vanderbilt. Hmm. Okay. I'm, like that. Um, I'm not against that. He, at all. He would probably cost the the 2029 first rounder because uh, he's only 23 and he's he's a pretty good player. But mm-hmm. um, I actually just put an article out today that the Bucks for for three and D wings that are not named Jay Crowder, um, the three guys that I named were Jared Vanderbilt, Kyle Anderson, and Robert Covington. Love would love 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 Robert Covington, obviously, but. I'm yeah, okay with uh, Kyle Anderson is actually shooting pretty well from the three-point line this season, and he's only making nine million. So he's in that realm of possibility where the Bucks could trade Jordan Wara, Sergi Baca, and George Hill, and then whatever draft compensation necessary to get that deal done. <clears throat> so, second half, we get into this situation. Actually, real quick before the end of the first half, Wesley Matthews got to mention him. Wesley Matthews was three for four from the three-point line in the first half, including a buzzer beater, a step-back buzzer beater at that. That was nasty, uh, bro. And then, yes. The Bucks had a lot of threes in the first half that went like halfway down and came out, especially Drew Holiday and Pat mm-hmm. Connaughton. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention, Chris Middleton took a charge in the first half. Now, this stood out to me so emphatically because it means that he's – trusted enough in his body to be able to take a hit like that and still be okay. So that, that was encouraging for me to see that. Um, I don't know what it is that Chris Middleton cannot get continuation when he's followed on the perimeter. I'm so glad Why you can that. not get that. Bro. He cashed it. You have three, four point plays every single game. Like why can Chris Middleton not get follow calls on the perimeter? I don't understand it. I don't know either, man. And for them to say that he wasn't going up, dude, yes, he was. He was 100% he going up. He, he was getting contacted before you called the foul. Mm-hmm. Oh, that drives me nuts. Yeah, I was a little upset. And I knew you were going to bring it up today. I was like, Todd's going to bring that up for sure. Don't even have to ask him. <laughs> that annoys me. Um, Hornets were using good ball movement. They got themselves a lot of open corner threes, and they knocked them down to their credit. Yes. Did you know that Giannis didn't get his first free throw in this game until the 8.45 mark of the third quarter? I think I should know that, but no, I did not pay attention to that. Um, He did have <laughs> – he did reach the double-double mark at the eight-minute mark of the third quarter as well. Yeah, he was he was grabbing hella rebounds to be honest with you. Um, I will say, like, I got to give credit to him, but also this is something that the Bucks need to – kind of shore up is Lamelo ball was getting a lot of offensive rebounds. Yeah. That, that can't happen. He got a lot of offensive rebounds and tip ins, just easy points just from not being boxed out. The one that kind of happened was Javon Carter was on him and Giannis was boxing out Plumley, And it's like six foot against six, six. I mean, what do you expect to happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, did you know that drew holiday passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the all-time assist list in this game as well? I did know that one, yes. All right. Um, did you know that Terry Rozier didn't make his first field goal until the 7.05 mark of the third quarter? I also knew that because they pointed that out, yes. Um, and then Grayson Allen started heating up in the third quarter. Seeing Chris Middleton actively trying to get into the paint is really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Like Chris Middleton's not out here just trying to score shooting jumpers. Like He's he's driving 
to score. That to me shows that he has confidence in the leg. That to me shows he has confidence in his scoring, that he's not just a jump shooter. He's like, damn, I see Giannis doing all this extra stuff that he didn't do last year. He's like, I got to pick it up. <laughs> I'm fine with that too. Um, Chris Middleton scored 11 really quick points in the third quarter. He he really held down the end of the third quarter for the Bucks with Giannis um, getting some rest on the bench. The Bucks ended the third quarter on a 16 to five run. Yeah, we took the lead with Giannis on the bench, and I looked at him and I said, "You fucked up. <laughs> you fucked up. Now it's over." Uh, it helps that Javon Carter hit two more transition threes. I texted you if he would have hit that third one, I would have lost it. I would have lost it too. That third one was wild, bro. I mean, uh, it was right on line too, and Javon got the offensive rebound, and then yeah. I think, I think Giannis got a layup out of it. But um, Giannis took over the scoring to open the fourth quarter. Some turnovers and a couple of missed shots made the game closer than it should have been because the Hornets can score quickly. Mm-hmm. But overall, the Bucks still won the game. Giannis had that layup, and then he kind of ran I mentioned that he ran into the stanchion under the hoop. Um, yeah. Bud said after the game that everyone is okay, and that's reflected in the injury report for the Clippers game. Giannis is listed as probable. Now, LaMelo Ball did have a triple-double, yes. Mm-hmm. But... He was 10 for 26 from the field. That's 38.5%. And he was 3 for 9 from the three-point line. That's 33% for a guy who's shooting over 40 for the season. So he did have a triple-double, but he was, I would say, held in check. It's and a very uh, Allen Iverson stat line. True. Um, and then speaking of being held in check, Terry Rozier, 6 for 19 from the field. and 2 for 8 from the three-point line, 25%. I'll still never forgive Eric Bledsoe for getting that man paid. He did. He did. Eric Bledsoe single-handedly got Terry Rozier paid. I'll never forgive him for that. Oh, man. That's so nuts. (sighs) So I did mention this now. Um, Second chance points. Hornets are seventh in the NBA. They average a little over 15 points, um, second chance points per Mm -hmm. game. They had 15 in this game. They also had 15 points off turnovers, and the Bucks only missed four free throws, so it puts them at 34 fundamental failure points, um, right on the um, right on the average for the season um, from last year. Tim said that change of hands layup by Javon Carter was crazy good. Even Drew was giving a crazy look. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. That was nice. Um, yeah, Drew was looking at him crazy. I remember seeing that on the game or during the. Uh, during the broadcast last night, seeing the, yeah. the look that Drew was giving him was funny. Um, he also, I think he had it, um, poked the ball away from LaMelo Ball, went and got a dunk, and even LaMelo was looking at him like, damn, I didn't even know he could dunk. <laughs> Dude, the two-hander. In the game, um, Javon Carter had another one where he poked the ball away from LaMelo, and they got tangled up, and they helped each other up. And Lisa Byington said it during the game that she enjoys seeing the respect and the sportsmanship that's something that that we've said on this show that we we enjoy seeing that sportsmanship as respecting the game more than just the competition. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed seeing that actually. Um, and ball, now we're ball playing. was ready to cry though. I'll tell you that if Javon didn't go over there and help him up, he was ready to complain. He was complaining during uh, the Bucks substituting players in. He was yeah. like. 
he was like counting players out and then he's like pretended to blow a whistle and he's like mm-hmm. trying so to give the ref technical. a technical foul. And it's like, how did he not get a technical foul for that? I don't know. But then Brooke gets a technical for saying, come on. Yeah, he dropped an F bomb. Yeah. Brooks, it was while the ref's back was turned and Brooks, yeah. But he, he dropped an F bomb. Yeah. Give me I a wasn't technical. mad at the technical. I'll yeah, say maybe. that. Um, Giannis did finish with 34 points, 18 rebounds, four assists. Drew Holiday had 15 points, 13 rebounds. That is a career high, 13 rebounds for Drew Holiday. Uh, his previous career high was 12. Um, Chris Middleton, 18 points off the bench, three rebounds, three assists. Grayson Allen, 12 points. Bob Brooke Lopez, eight points. Pat Connaughton, eight points. Wesley Matthews, 11 points, six rebounds. Joe Ingles, eight points. Javon Carter, eight points. I mean, just down the lineup. That's Nine guys that scored eight or more points. God damn. And five guys in double digits. Like, wow. That's really – the Bucks are getting balanced scoring on top of having a dude that drops 30 two out of three games. <laughs> it is what it is, man. Wait, wait for Chris to come back. It's awesome. That's what it is. So, Bucks are now at five wins in a row with the big three together. They play tomorrow night against the Clippers, Saturday against the Heat, and then Monday at Portland. So, three games. What is your record prediction for the Bucks? Three and zero. I got three and zero. Clippers. That's going to be a good one. It's going to be a tough mm-hmm. one. Um, the Heat in Milwaukee. That's the reason I'll give us that one. Um, plus, I think we've gotten over the hump for the Heat. The Heat still play us tough. Like I know we lost. They play everybody tough. They play, yeah, they, they, yeah, they play everybody tough. They play a grinded out kind of game. That'll be a, a good one. And then the Trailblazers are interesting. Dame can go nuclear, uh, nuclear on that court. So, um, yeah, struggled there. That'll be that'll be one thing to watch. Also, Amphrey Simon, he's a really good player. So, um, that'll definitely be something to watch. But I still think three and zero for the Bucks. Giannis is in a good groove. Bucks are in a good groove. Um, I think you're the one that called it. Uh, you said it was time for the Bucks to start rattling off some W's. Definitely what they're doing. I said it like right as you were like right before you hopped on that I think I mentioned that I think the Bucks are capable of going on a seven game winning streak. Mm-hmm. And they're on a five game winning streak. Bill said two and one. He thinks Giannis will sit out the Portland game. I, don't, I think Giannis is due to sit out a game some point just because he keeps getting listed as probable with a knee soreness. So I think it's getting to a situation where he might sit one of these games out. Honestly, I thought it was going to be the Clippers game, but I saw that he was listed as probable, so um, I guess I not. Know. But I think I think that Clippers game is kind of a statement game. The Clippers have been playing really, really good basketball since Kawhi and PG have come back. So, sure. And they just had a huge comeback against the Bulls. <laughs> Bulls have lost three out of four, so fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to point that out real quick, but the Clippers have been playing really, really well since both those guys came back, so I think this will be – that'll be a good game tomorrow, man. I'm excited for that. I told yeah. I told Brittany I was like, dude, you're going to a freaking good game. Her first ever Bucks game. I'm like, you're going nice. to a good one. All right. Is there anything else that you have for Bucks or Badgers? <sighs> well, I would say Badgers, and this is gonna sound stupid, but you know, everybody talks about it. And then everybody goes crazy when Giannis has a quote about it. 
Badgers just need to have fun. And as bland as that sounds, it's what you tell your kids. Giannis literally had a quote this week talking about when you have fun. It was after the Pacers game. He said, when you have fun, everything else takes care of itself. Badgers need to get back to having fun and just playing basketball. Just be kids, man. Don't be the athlete. Be the student athlete. Play your system. Have fun. Shoot the ball. Play defense. Play together. Be a team. That's what I would tell my team if they were in a slump, you know. So do that. You're doing everything. Bucks. I don't have to say anything. This team has too many veterans, too many good players, too many star players to, for me to have to say anything. Nothing I say is going to make them change what they're good at or what they're going to do. So just keep doing your thing. Bucks and six, man. That's all I got to say about that. All right. And it is officially February 1st, which means a couple things. One, it means Lily's birthday is tomorrow, and I'm going to have an eight-year-old, which is nuts. Let's go. Um, and then it also means that pitchers and catchers will be reporting soon, which means that Jake and I will have a Brewers primer coming up. Yes, we didn't really spend a lot of time talking about all the individual news with the Brewers, but um, we're going to do it just basically all at once, and we'll do the primer um, that we do for every season leading up to the start of a season. So the, uh, the Brewers one will be coming up pretty soon. So we got that. Uh, We are going to have a Packers show not two days from now, Friday, but the following Friday. We're going to be doing our four ways to fix the Packers. Um, So it'll be Jake, myself, Simon, and Bryant. And we're also going to do an emotional fan base edition of four ways to fix the Packers. So that'll be be pretty cathartic and full of snarky sarcasm. So that'll be sure to be fun. Take my brain out for that section. (laughs) Don't, Don't... Don't miss that because that's going to be very entertaining to to just take all the takes that we've seen in Facebook groups and such of things that the fan base says when they're emotional. But um, that I, think, be uh, be I think in the preseason we'll have to set up another uh, trivia night, and I want Bill yeah. to participate. I want Bill. Bill, you're a smart guy. You're too smart to just be sitting on the sidelines. So um, <laughs> I want you to join um simon you can come take this l again um i'm the reigning champion uh probably because tyler didn't play he would have probably stole one or two of those from me but that's um, fair i play i think i think it would be really fun for us to to set it up to have somebody host i don't know we'll have to figure this out this is just right off the top of my head have a father son like you and your dad versus me and my dad kind of trivia night kind of thing i think that could be really fun that was just an idea that popped up he said Simon he's ain't good. Okay, get better at March Madness. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of us stick on the bandwagon of Duke, Simon. <sighs> all right. Well, yeah, that's that. that I will be I will be back seeing you here next Wednesday. Hopefully, we're talking about three more Bucks wins and a couple of Badger wins, and we're getting nice. close to baseball. Simon said it. Baseball. It's crazy that baseball is almost back, but we're getting there. Getting there. The hype's getting there. It just just means. Warmer temperatures, hopefully. I, sooner I saw than later. Contreras uh, posted a sick photo in his he hat, did. so I'm excited yep. about that, man. Yeah, he'll for sure be a big part of the Brewers primer, so that's for sure. So I will see you next week, and then we will see you guys twice next week, Wednesday and Friday. So thanks sure. for watching, commenting along. Bill, Simon, Isaac, Tim, see you guys along. Simon see you next week. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs>
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.